before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray uh, for our time in the Word. God, thank you for uh, this opportunity to look at your Scripture, to um, be challenged and encouraged by it. Lord, I pray that you would be with us now, that your Spirit would speak, um, God, through your Word, and um, God, may I be used to proclaim your truth um, here today. May you be honored in this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so we are in the last uh, last sermon of this series on going together. And we've been looking at how, as Restoration Church, we uh, are striving to be a community of people restored to relationship with God through Jesus Christ, going together to share God's love with clear water and the world. And over the past a uh, couple months, we've been looking at how we are, uh, w- w- how we serve a going God, how we are a going people in response to Him, uh, how together we learn, how together we live, how together we celebrate, whether it's through baptism or through the Lord's Supper or through the singing of songs or through our lives, we celebrate the Lord together, we pray together, and finally today, we're going to look at how we serve together. Uh, As a community of people, I think we'll see through the scripture uh, that Jesus didn't just come to give us a get out of hell free card. You know, it's not just just about receiving eternal life. Um, That's so much of it that God has given us his presence and it's a beautiful gift. But he also came to transform the world that we live in today. Um, And even as we examine, as we think about, we're not going to uh, hit a bunch of these today, but as we think about Jesus' life and his example, you can see just from his life that it wasn't only about eternity, uh, but that it was also about the needs that were before him tangibly, whether it's feeding the 5,000 the needed food, whether it's healing the lame man, whether it's giving uh, sight to the blind man. He was meeting needs that were tangibly felt in the community. And he calls us, I believe, to do the same. And so today we're talking about how we as a church, as a body, can serve together, whether it's here in Clearwater or whether it's around the world, wherever God may call us, we're called to serve together. And so I'm going to look at this in two uh, sort of sections. And the first is to give us a framework fr- framework for serving. So look at scripture and see what do we see from scripture about uh, serving together. And then finally, how does it apply? How do we think about that um, as individuals and as a body of believers? How do we serve together? So first, with the framework for serving, uh, I've got a few passages that I want to look at for this. And the first is in John 17, and it's Jesus' prayer, uh, his high high priestly prayer, verses 13 to 23 is what we'll look at. Um, So John 17, verses 13 to 23 say this. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, and just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, loved them even as you loved me. From this passage, we see a few things about uh, what it is to serve with the word. Uh, the first thing that we see here is, uh, that, uh, just a few things that I want to draw out from this. The first thing that we see here is that the world hates the word. Verse 14, did you see that? I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The fact is, at one time, we didn't really like the word that much either. And sometimes in our lives, when the word is speaking to a rough spot in our hearts, we don't like the word that much even now. Uh, The truth is that the gospel confronts our fleshly desires in a world increasingly led by doing what feels good. Not by doing even what feels right, but by just doing what feels good. The world hates the, 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 world hates the word, and, and we once were haters of it as well. So, but the contrast to that is in verse 15, and, and what it says is that, well, if the world hates the word, if the world hates what we are, uh, what we are preaching, that, that salvation is found in Jesus alone, uh, if the world uh, bristles against that, then maybe we should just like separate from the world since they hate our word, right? Like we should just get a little enclave of holiness and uh, separate ourselves from the world since they hate us, right? Like, that might be the natural response when hate comes up, right? If, if hate comes into a relationship, usually you're like, yeah, peace out. Like, I'll be over here and you can be over there. That's what happens when hate comes into a relationship. But that's not what we're called to. Uh, Jesus plainly states the world hates the word. <laughs> they hate what you're saying. Isn't that encouraging? Go make disciples of all the nations and they're going to hate your word. <laughs> No, that's not what he calls us to do. Uh, Verse 15, he says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So his call isn't for removal from those who might hate him. His call is to be right in it, right in the world that, that bristles against this word, right in the world that may not agree with what you're saying, right in there. Verse 18, he continues on and says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We're not called to uh, holy enclaves. We're called to messy missions. And that's the fact of it. As Jesus was sent from heaven, where he is in perfect unity with the Father, has all things in complete comfort, what did he do? He steps down into a place that 
hates him and ends up crucifying him for what he proclaims to them and, and in spite of all the miracles he does in their midst. He goes to that mission field because he knows that even though it might be hard, it is worth it. His love is greater than the mess that is there. Why does he want us to stay in a world that, that might not like our message? Because the world needs the message. The world needs to know that, that they, have, they, they do have a Father in heaven who loves them and who has given everything for them, who has laid down his very Son on the cross for them. The world needs the message, even if they don't like the message. They need it. And so can you imagine a God who says, they're not going to like this, but I'm going anyway because they need it. It's their only hope. For them to be restored to me is to find salvation in my son. So his desire is, is that the world would come to know the love of the Father. And so uh, how is this message that, again, is even in Jesus' words, is sometimes hated by the world, how is it communicated in a way that overcomes that perception? It's communicated through love. It's communicated through how Jesus presented it himself. Going about meeting people who he wasn't supposed to meet. A lady that was caught in adultery five times, you know, said, where's your husband? You speak right that you don't have a husband. This is actually the fifth man that you, li- you lived with and this isn't your husband. And this woman is from Samaria. He wasn't supposed to even be in Samaria, Okay. Jesus went to messy places and said, I know who you are and I know your past and I know your history and guess what? I love you and I want you to know the love of the Father. Why does he go? He goes into the mess because he knows they need it, that it's their only hope and it's demonstrated through love. We see that in verses 20 to 23. He says, I don't ask for these only, that is the disciples uh, themselves, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, this message that might uh, be difficult for the world to hear is seen when it's demonstrated in love between a community of people that's been transformed by it, that has seen that the Father loves us so much that he sent his Son to die for us. When you see that type of love demonstrated in, the group, in a group of people, it's attractive. It, it draws people in when you see a group of people that might not have anything else in common except that they love Jesus and know that he's the Savior and as a result serve each other and serve their community with all that they are. When the motivations are tested and when people ask, why do you operate this way? Say, this is how Jesus operated with us. And this is how he wants to operate with you. Our unity in the word is attractive because it's tangibly expressed through sacrificial love for one another. 
that they all may be one, so the world would believe that you have sent me. It's our oneness as a body of Christ that most effectively demonstrates the love of the Father. Why? Because the fact is, even in a a body of believers, there's a mess. (laughs) It's not just uh, easy, you know? We're not all alike. And that's that's how it was from the very beginning. Uh, So the next passage we're going to look at is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. This is like, Okay, right after thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus, we have racism showing up in the church. Like, immediately. <laughs> okay. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Uh, From the very outset of this community of believers that that has seen that Jesus is the resurrected king, that he is the savior of the world, that he is the one way to salvation, the one whom they have repented and, and been baptized into, this one, powerful message is happening and miracles are happening in their midst and still they have problems. But the way that the world sees that this is a beautiful thing is that the problem didn't just sit there and fester. The problem is dealt with with wisdom and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Here rises up an issue that some of the Hellenist Jews are being neglected in the distribution for the widows and the Hebrew, the Hebrew Jews are not. So those of Grecian descent are getting missed somehow on a regular basis and this is picked up. And so a complaint arises. Um, I want to read a little bit of background on this uh, custom that, uh, that they probably drew from their Jewish heritage. This, this distribution to the widows was occurring all the time in their communities. It says this, this is from William Barclay uh, in his commentary on Acts. It says, in the synagogue, there was a routine custom. Two collectors went around the market and the private houses every Friday morning, made a collection for the needy, partly in money and partly in goods, and later in the day that was distributed. Those who were in temporarily in need received enough to enable them to carry on, and those who were permanently unable to support themselves received enough for 14 meals. That's enough for two meals a day for the week ahead. The fund from which this distribution was made was called uh, the kuppa or the basket. In addition to this, a house-to-house collection was made daily for those whose needs were more Pressing. They called this the tray or the tom, tom hue. There's a daily distribution going on and, and, and uh, they, were, they were continuing this tradition in the church because they had separated effectively from the Judaic culture and they've been rejected by their family. So they established this same sort of system among themselves. And when this issue came up, they confronted it and said, we, we, we must appoint some people to make sure that we take care of this properly. So we see from the very outset that there was organized care for 
uh, widows in the community. We see from this that there was uh, a division of labor in order to effectively uh, take care of the needs of the community and continue to uh, preach the word effectively. The disciples say we, we cannot stop and uh, take this burden on ourselves. We need to distribute this to other people who are also wise and capable of doing this. It was messy from, from the outset, even within the walls of the church. And, uh, but the difference is that, that we found a solution. Uh, we, we were led by the Spirit and found a solution in which to move forward. And the result is clear. Verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the priests even became obedient to the faith. See, when the sacrificial love of Jesus meets a problem in the community, it gets resolved instead of sitting there. And that's how we're called to be as we serve in the church. We're to take care of every need that is there as much as possible. And what happens when we're caring for one another and being one with one another is that a living organism is there in the, in the body and it grows. So as we serve uh, with the word, the, the word is expressed in sacrificial love. And that sacrificial love confronts every mess that might happen. And that mess might even be at the doorstep of the church. We're called to take care of effectively the body of Christ. Why? That the world may see the love of the Father demonstrated among us. Finally, we're called to serve the world in a particular manner. Not just called to serve uh, one another. Uh, I think that's our primary call because Jesus says, if, you, if the world sees the unity of the body of Christ, they will see the love of the Father. They'll see it. It'll be plainly demonstrated there. But second, we're, we're called to serve in the world. As Jesus said in his prayer in John, he says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're called, yes, to walk in righteousness and to walk holy lives, but they're not called to be separate from the culture itself. So I want to look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 to 23, and it says this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. What is Paul saying there about how we're to operate in the world? I'm supposed to take a look at what's around me and be 
and be among it. Be, be in it. Be as, as much empathetic with it as possible so that I might win some. That I might be a Jew to the Jews. Be one under the law as one under the law. Be the one that is weak as weak. Paul starts out that passage by saying, I'm free from all. No, no, one, no one stands in authority over me. My, actually, my authority is Jesus primarily. He is directing me. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. So I'm free. But the freedom you learn in Jesus is to serve all. The freedom you learn in Jesus is that the first become last and last become first. He turns the order upside down. Yes, Paul says, I am free from all, but I have become a servant of all. Why? Because he saw that same thing in Jesus. He saw that Jesus, the king of the universe, came down and served the very least. So yes, we're free and we walk in freedom as believers, but, but our call is to serve is to serve all in, in all ways that we can, that they might see the love of the Father. Paul throughout says, I'll be all things to all people. I think there's a, a tension here between what Jesus call what Jesus says is that he, that we would remain um, that we would not, uh, that we'd be kept from the evil one, right? That we'd be kept from temptation, that we'd be sanctified in the truth. So there is a call to righteousness, but there's also a call to uh, understand, to know, to empathize with those around us that might not know the truth. We see this in Paul's life as he preaches. One of the places he goes is, uh, is to Mars Hill and he finds there a God to the unknown God. And, and what he realizes in that is that, hey, I can, I can tell them something out of this. Yes, here they are in this marketplace, and they've got gods, all kinds of gods, to every type of thing that there is in the universe. And they even have so many gods that there's a God to the unknown God. And so he says, hey, I, I know about this one. <laughs> Let me tell you about the God that is unknown to you. He is the God of all. He's the God of the universe. And he preaches from that. What, now, was that right? Like, he took a statue and, and used it as a place to stand and say, hey, let me tell you about the real God that you don't know. He's using the culture. And he, you can see him even using uh, poems at times in his, uh, in his preaching to, uh, to understand where people are at. Paul became all things to all people. There might be people in your neighborhood. There might be people at your, at your workplace. Uh, there might be people in your family that you don't understand or relate to very well. What we learn from this example is that we're to be all things to all people. We're to find ways to understand why is it that they're not seeing the love of the Father that is lavished upon this world through the Son, Jesus Christ? What's blocking them from that? How can I stand there with them, understand their perspective, and speak truth into that situation? How can I do that? So 
So we serve with the word knowing that it's, uh, that it's a word that's often rejected. But it's also a word that's desperately needed. And so as we serve, we, we serve hoping that people will see it, not just by the transmission of information, but rather by the demonstration of love, right? The demonstration of love among the church and the demonstration of love to those that are right around us. Those that you've placed right, or those that God has placed right around you. You don't have to go very far to be on missions. <laughs> it's right in our back door. I mean, literally, you know. Again, we think of being holy as being set apart, but the call to holiness is not a call to isolation, but living righteously among the church and among the world. As we do that, as we follow Jesus' example, as we demonstrate his sacrificial love, we do so in an upright manner with all integrity, but also understanding where people are at and trying to empathize and trying to uh, uh, have relationship with, they might point someone to the Father. So that's our framework for serving. What does it look like to serve together? I think there are three questions, three framework questions that come to us and that can be applied to a number of areas that I'll run through here at, at the end. And these three questions are, first, where are we sent with the word? God has said uh, here in Jesus' prayer, he has said, I have sent them into the world. I haven't withheld them. I haven't set them off in a holy enclave. I have sent them to the world. So first question for, uh, framework question for serving is this, where are we sent with the word? Where are we sent? Second, how are we to serve the body of Christ? How are we to serve the body of Christ? Um, the beautiful thing about, you know, one thing that I really love about our church is that we're all involved, you know. We're all going to, here in a moment, we're going to spend some time in prayer together. You're all going to be able to get to share with that. And soon, very soon, when we open the doors of our church, you're all going to get to be a part of welcoming in those who, who may stumble upon our doors, and, and showing them the love of Jesus and, and sharing with them uh, how beautiful it is what God has done for us in Christ and, and demonstrating the love that has been demonstrated to you. So the question is, how are we to serve the body of Christ? And finally, how can we share the blessings of the gospel with those around us? We're called to serve church. We're called to serve in the world. How are we to serve those around us with the blessings of the gospel. And I think you can ask these three questions in a number of areas in your life. You can ask it about uh, for your family. You can ask it for your church. You can ask it for your city. You can ask it for your world. Where is my family sent with the word? Where is my family sent with the word? How, how am I to guide my household in serving the Lord? And the first call for 
for a father, right, is to steward our houses. Say, where am I called to lead my family? Where do we serve? How, how can we serve the body of Christ as a, as a family? How can we share the blessings of Jesus with those around me, maybe in my neighborhood? Our church, our church has to ask the question, how, where are we sent with the word, right? As a church, how do we serve the, the greater body of Christ? How can we share the blessings of the gospel with those around us? We have to answer those questions as a body. I think uh, for a family and for a church, the, the result is where you are. <laughs> the answer to many of those questions is where you are. As a church, we desire to serve Bel Air Elementary. We, we want to find ways that we can serve there, and increasingly so. We've done a little bit of that this year and want to do more of it as we, as we grow. We want to serve our city in any way that we can. Uh, we hope that this place will be a blessing to people it just as they can come in and enjoy the, the environment. And they can come in and hear the word. They can come in and, and be loved on. So in every area of your life, you can ask those questions. Uh, where, are we sent with, where am I sent with the word? And, and how do I serve the body of Christ? And how do I serve the world around me with the blessings of the gospel? I want to close with this. Um, Jesus walked into messy situations to serve. We see plainly in his word and in his prayer that the call wasn't to separate and not, not to run away from those who didn't like the message, but rather to step right into the mess and say, this is what you're looking for. <laughs> you're looking for something. You're striving for something in life. And this is what it is. And this, the, the body functions best when everyone's playing a part. We saw in the passage in Acts, um, there were some that were stretched too thin. They were doing too much. And so problems arose that they couldn't handle because there was too much going on. And so, uh, and so it was resolved. Why, how? By increasing the load on those, those folks? No, by di- distributing the load and saying, hey, actually, we need someone to help with this. And there was a qualification for it. that They were called to be, um, in, in Acts 6, they were called to be brothers of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. Why? Because they had to uh, navigate this uh, issue of racism that was happening in the church and do so with wisdom and, and, and love. Body functions best when everyone is playing a part. And finally, let's learn from Paul's example as he preaches here that um, though we may be free in Christ, we are servants to all. The, the call is to come to know that, that Christ died on the cross for you. And, and if we recognize how beautiful that is, how beautiful that love is, we will simply demonstrate that love. We'll say, that's how my God is. That's how I want to be. 
He has freed me from my sin and my affliction and my pain. Now I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk as a servant just like him. I'm going to lay down my life just like he laid down his life for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you that um, you came and you served. That you didn't have to, that, that you surprised the disciples over and over again with your willingness to serve. That even in your last days with the disciples, they, they sought someone to wash their feet as they gathered and you got down and you washed their feet. God, may we see your character and the way you lived your life and, and realize that's how you called us to be. And that's, that's when the world is going to see your love is when we, uh, though free from all, become servants of all. Become all things to all people. When we see that, that you have sent us, that we aren't here by mistake. We aren't uh, we aren't in this location by mistake. We aren't living in the houses that we're living in by mistake. We're not going to the church we're going to by mistake that you have ordered these things and that uh, there's a purpose to it and that there's a mission to it. We're not just floating here, God. Gotta pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us understanding that you would uh, make us full of the spirit that we might see as a church how we can serve together. And may that service be um, formed, informed by how you served the world, laying down all things for all people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.